This is a verse I've been kind of, you, you might have noticed, I'll say it, I'll read it today, and I've been kind of preaching around it for a while, uh, but I haven't quite preached in it. And it's been one of those verses that's been in my mind, and I've just been kind of, you know, I hadn't quite got it yet. But today, I feel like maybe the Lord wants us to see something different today surrounding this verse and this context here in John chapter 10. And here is this John chapter 10 is the great uh, where Jesus' teaching stands up and makes himself and reveals himself as the shepherd of the sheep and shows that only he is the gate for people to come in and follow him. And so this morning we're going to read a little bit about Jesus here talking about being the good shepherd. John chapter 10 verse 7. So again, Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. And all who came before me are thieves and bandits, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate, and whoever enters by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. I'm going to pause there because we're going to read the next verse, but just a little pause here for a moment. The first thing that is important to recognize is Jesus makes a bold claim here as he's teaching. And he says that I am the gate for the sheep. In John 14, he says it this way. I am the way, the truth, and the life. And no man comes to the Father but by me. And really, this is the beginnings of that teaching where Jesus shows himself as the entrance point to the kingdom of God. That it is only through Jesus you and I have access to the kingdom of God. But he begins to paint a scenario for us in terms of a sheep keeping, which might be a little bit difficult for us to understand today because we don't watch over herds of sheep. But it is a teaching that is very practical and does bring a lot of under, uh, a light to this teaching that Jesus is giving. He puts himself in the role of a shepherd. And the shepherd in this, this context was always fighting off those who were trying to attack the sheep. Sheep are very, uh, well, let's just put it bluntly, they're dumb. And so they don't know when danger is coming. And so the shepherd is always working in a way to fend off intruders, to fend off those who might come like wolves or lions and bears, all the things that might come in and attack the sheep. And so Jesus calls them thieves and bandits, which is another addition to that. There's not just predators, but there's also thieves and bandits who would come in and try to rob the sheep from the pasture. But Jesus once again proclaims himself as the good shepherd and promises that whoever comes by me will be saved and will come in and go out and find pasture. This is the truth of God's word. This is the fundamental truth of the New Testament, that it is only through Jesus Christ any man can be saved. That's the fundamental truth of the New Testament. Only through Jesus can we be saved. And only through Him will we come in and find pasture, find rest for our souls. And so then He begins to go in and teach about a little bit of the intruders that are happening. He gives them warnings, really. And Jesus, you have to think, here is Jesus, the Son of God, and He's teaching. And for some reason, He finds it necessary to begin to teach them about the intruders the people who are trying to get a hold of the sheep. And so he begins to teach. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. We'll read that again. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. And I came that they might have life and have it abundantly. He goes on to say, I am the good shepherd. 
The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And the hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. I am the good shepherd, and I know my own, and my own knows me, just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Jesus once again begins to teach. He says, I am the gate, and I am the good shepherd. And then he compares himself to a moment. He says, there are some people who they're going to be like shepherds. And they're going to care for your soul. But then there's others who are hired hands. They're just here for the pay. They're just here to get a quick buck. And so here they are. And Jesus says of those people that when danger comes, oh, they're, they're out of there. They're never nowhere to be found. All they were there for was the money. And so this morning, I want to talk to you about the nature of the thief. The nature of the thief. Jesus uses a word here that he describes the enemy for a few minutes. Speaking of the devil, or as he goes by many names, Satan, Lucifer, whatever you want to call him, the accuser of the brethren. He goes by many names, but in this context and in this passage, he calls him a thief. The thief. The nature of the thief, as we see here, is very uh, sly. It's very, it comes in in a way that is very easy. When you're not looking or when you have your guard down, there's the thief on, right on the, guard, on the edge. And so he says here for a moment that the thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He states two purposes in this verse right here. He says the purpose of the thief and then he says the purpose of himself. He says the thief's purpose is to steal and kill and destroy. Jesus' purpose is to give life and not just any life but abundant life. And so this morning, we're going to talk about the nature of the thief, how the, the thief likes to steal, how the nature of the thief is so sly, like he is like a predator, just easing his way in like a wolf. But then the nature of Jesus is abundant life. And abundant life is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's amazing, it's, it's lovely. This is what the Bible teaches us in Romans, that the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And so we're going to see here a little bit, a few moments, about the nature of the thief. And the first thing that Jesus points out about the nature of the thief is that he comes to deprivate. It's a big word that simply means to steal away, to rob, to, to, to empty you of something, to make you feel deprived, to get you where you stand at the, after the thief has done his work. You basically feel like you have nothing left. You're deprived. You're depraved. It's deprivating. He says that the thief comes to steal. You know, the thing about a thief is, is that a thief will come when, you, when they think you're not looking. And the thief will come in a way that when you think you're not looking and you turn back and you see what, what is missing, you realize everything's gone. And you stand at the end of it and you begin to feel depraved. You feel empty. You feel wondering, what am I missing in my life? And that is the nature of the thief. Is that the nature of the thief is, he's not concerned about our possessions and all of those things. The nature of the thief that Jesus is talking about is spiritual in nature. 
That the thief wants to come to take the things that Jesus comes to give. Jesus came to give life and to give it abundantly. The enemy came to take that abundant life away from you and I. So we have to answer the question then, what is abundant life? What does abundant life look like? If we're going to study the Bible, if we're going to understand what is the nature of the thief, what is he trying to steal, then we have to understand what is this abundant life? Matthew chapter 10 teaches a little bit more, or Matthew 13 teaches a little bit more about the nature of the thief. And he talks about it in the nature of hearing God's word. That God's word is truth. And God's will, the Bible says, is not that any man should perish, but that all should come to repentance. And God's will is for that every person in the world to hear the word of God, to allow the seed to grow, and that there would be growth that would come, and that you and I would take on our God-given destiny and purpose that he has created us to be. But Jesus teaches about the nature of the thief and a little bit more talking about it like a seed. And just in the, per in the parable of the sower, and we won't read the whole parable, but just a little verse that shows us how the thief works. And he says this, that when anyone hears the word of the kingdom and he doesn't understand it, the evil one comes and he snatches away what is sown in the heart. He snatches away what is sown in the heart. And notice what he snatched away. It was the word of the kingdom. And it was when there wasn't any understanding, so the enemy came and took it away. God's will is that you and I would take the word of God, the word of the kingdom, and that it would get inside of us and grow, and that we might be the people that God intended us to be. But the enemy doesn't want that. The enemy's role is to take that seed. Every time that you and I are here, we're hearing the word of God. We read the word of God and God is trying to send truth into our lives. And it's the truth that we need to get us to the place we need to be. And the enemy sees that. The enemy will try whatever he can do to steal that seed away. It's like we talked about last week. Distractions come along. There's things that come up in our lives that try to get us distracted from the truth, to keep us from seeing the truth of God's word, that you and I are in need of a Savior, in need of repentance, and to turn to the Lord with all of our hearts. The enemy will do anything in his power to keep us from hearing the nature of the truth of the word of God. It causes us to repent. It causes us to come into right relationship with God. It causes us to be in peace with God, to have reconciliation with God. And the enemy, that's the last thing he wants. He would like for us to just live in turmoil, chaos, live in a place where there is no peace in our life, live in a place where there is no joy in our life, live in a place where we are isolated, separated from the Lord. And we, this, this is why he comes in to snatch the seed. The seed is powerful. If the enemy didn't think that the seed was powerful, then why would he try to take all the time and effort to steal it? The seed is powerful. The kingdom of God, the truth of the kingdom of God is life-changing. It causes you and I to live eternally. It causes you and I to know God Almighty, the God of heaven and earth, the God who, who was and is and is to come. The truth of the kingdom of God is not just, this, just, just some word we read and that's it. It is powerful. It is transforming. It sets people free. It causes people to come to where they need to be. It delivers. It restores. It heals. It is powerful. And so the enemy knows that when the truth comes and takes root in our heart uh-oh 
He's in danger at that point because you and I begin to realize that our God-given role and destiny is that the enemy belongs under our feet. And so the enemy tries to steal that seed from our heart. He snatches it away. Notice that the word that the Bible uses is this word, snatch. If I was going to put this in modern English for you, I would say this, and the enemy pickpockets it away. You know what a pickpocketer does? They, they, they get real close to you. They get real friendly with you. You may not even know that they were there, but just by a swoop, they've gone. They've taken your wallet, they've taken your keys, whatever's in your pocket. And this is the nature of the enemy. The enemy is a deceiver. He's not going to come and show himself as your enemy. Oh, no, that wouldn't be wise on his part. He's going to come and show you him as, his, as your friend. He's going to get real close and snugly with you and think that you can trust him. You can just hand over everything to him and say, yes, oh, you're my buddy now. But he's a pickpocketer. When you've turned your back, you'll realize you're depraved. You've lost it all. You realize that when the enemy has done, the thief has come, you realize that you brought him into your house and he not only took what was in your pocket, but he took everything you own. That's the nature of the thief. Is He doesn't just desire to come through a one-time experience with you and just meet you on an occasion. He wants to get inside of your life and your home and leave you with nothing. The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. He's not the type of thief that is just trying to make a quick buck, run in your house and leave real quickly. No, he came to do damage. He came to do harm. He came to do something that was going to leave you and I absolutely, as we've said, deprivated. He snatches the seed. The second thing Jesus points out here as he's teaching about the thief, as he says later on in John chapter 10, he says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. He says, the hired hand, who is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep, sees the wolf coming and leaves the sheep and runs away. Now, I want to pause here for a moment because this is a teaching that Jesus begins to be relate to some other teachings he's taught before. And this is the teaching of false prophets. And I just want to say a word to you today. We all come from different backgrounds and, 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 and traditions and through experiences. And I want to tell you, sometimes there are people who stand behind pulpits and there are people who you see on TV and they don't have your best interest in mind. And they would be what Jesus calls the hired hand. They would be the type of people that when the wolf comes, oh, they're out of there. When the wolf comes, they've abandoned you. When the wolf comes, they've left you hanging. That's a false prophet. That's somebody who doesn't care about your life, Jesus says. He says that the hired hand sees the wolf coming, leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them and scatters them. And the hired hand runs away because a hired hand does not care for the sheep. Make sure that when you're listening to the Word of God, when you're hearing people today on TV, when you're reading, do it to me even. Make sure that it has roots and foundations in the Word of God. If there is something that I'm preaching to you or anybody is preaching to you and it can't be backed up by the Word of God and the truths of the Word of God, then listen, you need to throw it out of your ear. That's called a false teacher. That's called somebody and they are rampant today. That are rampant today. Paul warns about them in the last days. He says there's going to be people who they want that type of thing. So they will go through whatever measure. They will bring people towards them. They will pay people for it so that they can hear exactly what they want to hear. The Bible calls it tickling their ears. They're called false teachers. 
And can I tell you today, they don't care for the sheep. They don't care about the sheep at all. All they are in it is for themselves. All they are in it is for their own lives. But notice what the good shepherd does. As Jesus says, the good shepherd, watch, this is how you can tell a shepherd from a hired hand, is the shepherd will lay down his life. If the shepherd is not willing to lay down his life, you might want to check if that's really a shepherd. If the shepherd's not willing to put everything on the line and say, I'm all in, 100%, everything I've got, then you might want to check whether that's really a shepherd. Because a shepherd cares for the sheep. The shepherd leads with a staff that is intended to defend and protect. The shepherd leads with the best interest of the sheep in mind. The shepherd came to fend off the enemy off of his sheep and to redeem them and lead them into his, into his pasture and care for them. That's the nature of the shepherd. But there is a day and age now that we are living in that there are more hired hands than I'm convinced than there are shepherds. And you have to be careful. Be careful what you listen to. Be careful what you put into your soul. And make sure that you can find it in the Bible, that it's rooted in the Word of God. I don't care how spiritual it looks, how great it looks on TV, how wonderful it makes you feel. If it doesn't have roots in the Word of God, then I want to tell you, it's not the Word of God. You might have to throw it out and find it again in your soul. Make sure you're testing it by the Word of God. It deprivates it. The shepherd... The, the thief comes, the nature of the thief, he deprivates. And the second thing here is we're talking about the hired hand, he isolates. He isolates. This is what the shepherd does. He says, he sees the wolf coming, he leaves the sheep and runs away, and the wolf snatches them. It's just like the enemy to bring us along following a hired hand. That some people get so convinced by a hired hand, by a false teacher, that they just follow them and follow them. And in a moment when the enemy comes, they realize that they've been isolated. And there they are. They have left prey for the predator. And remember, Jesus said, that thief, he didn't just come to steal. He came to kill and destroy. And so when a hired hand leads a sheep out by himself, he's isolated. And isolation for a sheep and a wolf is never good. It leads to the worse. And this is the thinking that happens in American Christianity oftentimes, is that I can be a Christian all by myself. We talked about this some months ago in a sermon series called Planted Together, but I'm still convinced that I'm seeing it happen even today, that there are people who think that they can be believers all by themselves. But I want to tell you, that's isolation. You're separating yourself. You're getting all alone. And I'm not telling you to just get you to come to our church. I'd love to have you to come. But go to any church. Be a part of a body. Get in with a flock of people. Just join together. We need each other. God designed us. Listen today. Every believer, listen to me today. God designed us to live in community with one another. And that is why we are called the church. This building is not called the church. We are called the church. And we are designed to live together in community we help each other we pray for each other we encourage one another so that when the wolf is on the prowl he can't stand a chance because he's not just facing a sheep he's facing the church and the bible says the gates of hell shall not prevail against the what the church not the sheep the church and so when the church is standing strong together no the wolf doesn't stand a chance you and i isolation is the prowl is what the enemy wants for us to separate us 
to put us in a box, to get us all by ourselves. That's the place where the enemy does his worst damage. It's tormenting. It's where the enemy gets in our mind and causes us to think things that aren't true about ourselves. It causes us to do things that are just contrary to the word of God. Isolation is dangerous. It's the season of destroying. It's the season where the enemy comes and he sows seeds of discord in our mind, chaos, and, and all the things that lead us to the next thing that the thief comes to do. He comes to deprivate, isolate, and he comes to annihilate. This sounds strong, and I realize it sounds strong today, but it sounds strong because that is what the enemy does. How often I have seen it, people who maybe they were serving the Lord or in a season of following God with all of their hearts, loving Jesus with everything they've got, and then something happened and they follow, they went a different way. Or maybe someone who we've, maybe in a family member or someone you know, you've been trying to tell them so long to come to the Lord, but for some reason they won't. And it's a path that ultimately leads in destruction. It's a path that leads to danger. And I've seen good people I know who follow this path where they begin to partake in things that ultimately lead to the annihilation of their lives. And that's the way it work of the enemy. Remember, the thief comes only to steal, to kill, and destroy. He didn't just come to kill, but he came to absolutely destroy. And remember, he's a pickpocketer. He's friendly. He's, he comes in, he's deceptive. He looks really good. Eve knew no better because the nature of the deceiver was present. He made it sound so wonderful. But it ultimately led to the death of their souls. Luke chapter 22, Jesus is teaching Peter. And he warns Peter. He says, Peter, be careful. Simon, Simon. I like how the, uh, new, the New Revised Translation says it this way. Satan has demanded to sift you as wheat. Satan has demanded to sift you as wheat. It shows us once again that when the enemy comes, and sifting is basically getting it down to, once again, nothing. Taking it down to it has no form, no life left. There is nothing there that is good to you. It's all the way down to sift it as wheat. You can't see its original form anymore. And that's how the enemy works, is he desires to sift us as wheat, to get us down to a form that is no longer recognizable, that is so far away from our God-created destiny that we look nothing like the Father anymore. That's the nature of the thief to sift us as wheat. But it's interesting to me that the Bible says that he came to Jesus and demanded as if he thought it was within his right, as if he thought it belonged to him. It shows me how the enemy works for a moment, that the enemy treats us like a possession, that the enemy tries to treat those who aren't serving the Lord and following the Lord as if though there are just some kind of badge he wears to show pride that he's conquered and taken over. He demanded. When someone demands a life from someone, it's not in a way that is respectful of that life, that sees the best, the best interest of that life in mind. It's the type of demanding that says there is no worth or value here. 
When you demand something, it shows that that life has just been relegated to something as just a possession. Sift you as wheat. That's how the enemy works. That's how the nature of the thief works. He deprivates. He isolates. And then he comes to annihilate. Now, all of that would sound very dark and gloomy and would leave us here feeling like, oh, no, what am I going to do? And truthfully, I've heard some people and they leave it there and they live their lives as believers. Hear me as believers scared of the enemy. But I want to tell you today that Jesus promised that he is the good shepherd. That he promised that when you and I are sheep and we can't fend for ourselves, when we can't fight for ourselves, he promised that as long as we go through him who is the gate and we're in his pasture and we trust him as our good shepherd. Now, I don't know about you, but I've never seen a sheep fight for themselves. I've never seen a sheep stand up and put their fist up and go to work. No, it just doesn't happen. No, but Jesus promised that you and I, we're defenseless, we're weak, we're depraved, we're lost, we're even ignorant sometimes like the sheep. We don't know what we're doing sometimes. We go paths we don't know. We don't know where the good grass is at from the bad. We don't know where the water is at. We get stuck sometimes in the mud. But Jesus promised here today. This is the wonderful thing about the gospel is the enemy came to deprive you of this truth. But Jesus promises that if you'll enter his gate and you'll come and trust him as your good shepherd, he'll fight for you. He'll defend you. Every wolf that comes along, he doesn't run away because he cares for the sheep. He lays down his life for the sheep. He puts it all on the line. And not just once as he did on the cross of Calvary. Here came darkness of all of the earth. Literally, the world got dark for a few moments. At that hill called Calvary where Jesus' life was hanging. And it shows us the nature of the thief is that the enemy's work is dark. It's devastating. But Jesus conquered it for you and I. Showed us that he laid down his life. And he continues to fight for us. He continues to defend us. If you will trust Jesus as your good shepherd, the nature of the thief, you don't have to worry about that thief. If you're following Jesus, the good shepherd, oh, he's fighting for you. He's working on your behalf. He's forever making intercession for the saints. If he was making intercession for the saints, if the Son of God is praying for you and I, you and I can sleep a little better at night knowing that Jesus is praying for me. You and I can sleep a little bit better knowing that the good shepherd is leading me. If I'm following him, the thief comes only to steal, to steal, to kill and destroy. But Jesus came. He said what? To give life and give life more abundantly. Jesus doesn't want you to just have life. He wants you to have it more abundantly. This is why Romans, as we said earlier, the kingdom of God is righteousness. You can't buy righteousness at Walmart. The kingdom of God is peace. You can't find peace on earth other than through Jesus and is joy in the Holy Spirit. When Jesus is the good shepherd, the things that you and I need are righteousness, peace, and joy. Life more abundantly isn't possessions, a better car, a better house, 
life more abundantly is living knowing I am in right standing with God, I have peace with God, and I have joy because of God. Master musicians to come. God has promised you and I today abundant life. And the enemy's work is to deprave you of that. To make you feel like you don't have joy. To let you live in a life that is full of turmoil and chaos. But the, Jesus came to give you peace. And the thing that people are wrestling with in our world today and people who don't know the Lord and maybe you here today is that they are distant from the Lord and there's no peace in their soul. So they run here and they run there and they run everywhere to find something to fill their soul, looking for answers. I've watched it. I've watched people enter into that tailspin. They think that they know the answer and they go try this thing. It doesn't work. They go try that thing. It doesn't answer what they need in their soul. And you and I, at some point in our life, will come to a realization that it's only through Jesus that we will get what our soul needs. Oh, the thief came to steal, to kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that you might have life and have it more abundantly. Would you stand with me this morning? I want to show you what abundant life looks like in a picture. I love this verse in Jeremiah. It's one of my life verses. This is what abundant life looks like. He says, blessed are those who trust in the Lord, whose trust is in the Lord. They shall be like a tree planted by water. Next, notice where he's planted at. He's sending out its roots by the stream. It shall not fear when heat comes, and its leaves shall stay green. In the year of drought, it is not anxious, and it does not cease to bear fruit. Abundant life is when you and I are trusting in the Lord and we become like trees that are planted by the water. Even when it gets hot and dangerous outside and the conditions surrounding us bring on drought, it doesn't cease to bear fruit within our soul. And that's the nature of you and I in the world we're living in, is that we are living in a world that is in a drought, spiritually speaking. It's a drought of the soul. It's a drought of knowing the Lord. And you and I, if we will trust in the Lord, we can still be a tree planted by the water, bearing fruits of joy and peace and righteousness. If you'll trust in the Lord. Would you close your eyes with me this morning? I say all this this morning because I care for you and I want you to know the Lord, today, don't play around with the thief. His nature, he doesn't have your best interests in mind. He doesn't care for you. But Jesus, he wants to give you abundant life today. If you'll trust in him, if you'll follow him, he promises he is faithful to us. He will protect us. That peace that you're lacking, the joy that you can't find, the chaos in your soul, Jesus can solve that if you let him. But following Jesus is not just a today decision. It's every day you're choosing to live in that pasture. You're choosing to live in the pasture where Jesus is the good shepherd. 
You're making a decision to make that your home. Every day, tomorrow, next week, next year. And there is abundant life for you today. Joy, peace, righteousness. God wants that for you today. This morning, if I could just pray with you. If you want the Lord today, you need this. This morning, you need that answer in your life today. The Bible promises that if we confess our sins, if we just tell the Lord, you don't have to tell me, tell Jesus this morning, right where you're at. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our unrighteousness. All of it, not a little bit of it, all of it today. This morning, I want to encourage you as I pray, just call upon the Lord today. Trust in him. Say you need him. Say you, you want him in your life. Say, Lord, I've messed up. I need you today. But I want to trust you as the good shepherd. Maybe you've been worried and living in fear. I want to tell you today, if you're a believer in the kingdom of God, you don't have to live in fear. God designed you to live under the care of the shepherd and to know that it will be well with him. This morning as I pray, you will need prayer today. Feel free to come stand here at the front this morning. Kneel at your seat, however you feel comfortable. Just call to Jesus today. Lord, this morning I thank you for my friends that are gathered here today. And Lord, I thank you, Jesus, for your word today. I thank you, Lord, that you laid down your life for us, Lord. That you gave it all for us, Lord. That you are the good shepherd. And Father, we're living in a day, God, where there are so many false teachers and prophets and people saying this thing and that thing. They don't care for our soul, Lord, but you do, Lord. You care for our soul, Lord. You shepherd us towards righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. So, Lord, today I want to pray for my friend today that's lacking joy, lacking peace. They're in turmoil in their soul, Lord. God, may they find a right relationship with you today. Would you bring peace between them and you today, God? Would you help them to follow you with all of their heart today, Lord? And God, we thank you this morning. We pray, God, speak to us today, Lord. Help us, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. As the choir sings, would you just pray? Lift your voice to the Lord today. He's the good shepherd. Oh, how he cares for our soul. Let's sing this morning.